I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hello, Cindy. Steffi speaking. Herzlichen Glückwunsch. Congratulations to your one-year podcast anniversary. Bye. If you recall, I had tried to pronounce uh, happy anniversary in German in a previous episode from uh, Steffi's email and had completely butchered it. And so Steffi uh, very, very nicely uh, provided an actual MP3 file for me of how to pronounce it. So thank you very much. I thought that was a wonderful way to start off my podcast. Um, anybody else that wants to send greetings in other languages, I would love to add those too. It's fun. Thank you very much, Steffi. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and we are recording on location today outside on my back patio. Um, It's Sunday afternoon, it's just an absolutely gorgeous day, and since yesterday was pouring rain, and every other day this week that was gorgeous, I was stuck inside working in my home office, I decided I was going to take my laptop and go out on the patio and um, try to record this, and it seems to be doing okay. I did a little bit of a test run, doesn't seem to be too much of a wind noise, um... So I'm going to periodically stop and give it a listen, and if it's still doing okay, I'm just going to keep going, because it is just beautiful out here. I can hear some lawn mowing in the background, and um, there are some birds chirping, although not real close by at the moment, so we should be doing okay. Uh, The only thing that's a little worrisome is the cotton is starting to fly, or at least what we call cotton in these parts. I have no idea if they're actually from a cottonwood tree. (laughs) I don't know that much about the local flora, but... um, Cotton's starting to fly, which means my nose is going to start itching, which means I might start sneezing anytime soon, but hopefully this will all go okay. All right, so welcome to episode 52, in which hexagons attack. Yes, you've heard it here. It's the attack of the hexagons. Um, I mentioned in a previous episode that Jay has talked me into doing hexagons, mostly so that I can get a whole lot of experience with those pesky little Y-seams, which somehow in my 10 or 12 years of quilt making, I've managed to always avoid doing. But yes, folks, it's time. I need to face the Y-seam. And she has declared to me unequivocally that she has an easy way to do it, although she did tell me that it's not easy schmeasy, uh, because they just don't say schmeasy out there on the West Coast. So um, it's an easy way. However, a West Coaster would say that. Um, so we've kind of gotten a, uh, started this conversation, and then Pam of Hip to Be a Square uh, jumped in, because this was all by Twitter we were talking about this, and so she um, was watching our Twitter conversation, and she came in and said, you know, I'd like to do that too, so the three of us are now kind of working on it, and yeah, we did decide to do it. Um, I not, don't know that I want to call it a quilt-along, because most of the quilt-alongs I've been, you know, aware of on the internet give a whole lot more guidance than what we're giving. Um, But all three of us tend to be, you know, we're planners to a point, and then we sort of also just wing it from a certain point, I think. Um, Pardon me if I'm speaking out of turn for either Pam or Jay. Um, But, you know, we're not going to tell you, you know, here's how much fabric you need to buy, here's exactly how many hexagons you need to cut, here's the design and the way you need to lay them out. What we're going to do is share with you our process in how we're going about things um, 
and then you can adapt it to your process if you so choose. Now, I don't know if this is one of those things, um, <laughs> use the uh, the reference that, you know how when you're pregnant, suddenly you notice all the other pregnant women out there? <laughs> suddenly it seems like there's just a boatload of pregnant women running around, but that's only because now that you're pregnant, you're kind of watching for that and you're much more aware of it. Um, you know, now that I'm not pregnant and haven't been for 18 years, uh, I don't notice as many pregnant women around. <laughs> so that's just one of those things. I'm, I'm thinking that's the same thing as with the hexagons. Now that um, I've decided to do this hexagon project, suddenly it seems like everybody's doing hexagons. And I don't know if that's really the case or if it's just because now I'm actually noticing them. Um, I think hexagons are uh, getting a little bit of a resurgence. Um, I think... What I'm eventually going to do, and I haven't really thought this through yet for this particular episode. For this episode, I'm going to talk about my starting process. Um, a little bit about what Jay and I have talked about in terms of the, the techniques we're going to use. I'm going to let you know about the rulers that I've gotten um, for this project. And a little bit about how I did go about figuring out uh, what I'm going to do in terms of the size quilt I want to create. And the yardage that may or may not require. Because <laughs> that's still kind of an, an X factor at the moment. But... Um, in any case, I'm going to go through a bunch of that. But there are, there's also, I've been noticing a lot of different ways you can set hexagons. And I thought, you know, it might be kind of interesting either to do an episode or just do this on my blog, maybe, to um, do a lot of links about different types of settings for hexagons that I've seen. Um, or maybe I'll just talk about it now. Here's the thing. You know, the the one everybody thinks of right off the bat is the grandmother's flower garden pattern, which was really big back in the, I think, 20s and 30s or so. Um, when you think about hexagons, that's what people tend to think about. And, it, you know, I have nothing against the grandmother's flower garden. I think I've seen some very pretty ones over the years, but that's not something that at all interests me. I had no interest in making a grandmother's flower garden quilt, which is part of the reason I never really thought about making a hexagon, because for many years, that's really all you ever saw was the grandmother's flower garden and variations thereof. Um, However, now you're seeing a lot more, uh, you know, particularly like with the, um, I was going to call it insurgents, that makes it sound much more militaristic than it is with the um, the uprising. <laughs> I'm only coming up with military terms here. What is it about sitting on the patio in the sun that makes me suddenly, um, you know, utter battle cries? I don't know. Um, with the, the rise of modern quilting techniques, you're seeing a lot more hexagon quilts and you're seeing particularly uh, larger hexagons in the quilts. And my theory actually about modern quilting is most of the patterns do tend to be larger pieces. You know, you've got large squares, large circles, large rectangles, um, big hexagons. You know, you've got these kind of bigger pieces. And I think that's because a lot of the fabric that is being produced now really does not lend itself well to be cutting up into smaller pieces. It's really kind of big print fabric that you want to feature. You know, it's this kind of the gorgeous ride of color in these big butt flowers that could print, you know, this, the six inch wide posy on the middle of the fabric, that kind of thing. So you need bigger block uh, patterns to really highlight that fabric. Whereas back when my mom first started quilting in the 70s, everything was calico. So it was all these dinky little prints that you could cut into little bitty triangles and still you wouldn't lose the print. You would lo- you would really kind of highlight that print in that style. And now the style of fabric is so completely different, you need a completely different kind of quilting to really take advantage of that. Um, for me, I like all kinds of quilting. I still do traditional. I do modern. I do art quilting. I, I dabble in everything, which means 
means I never really get good at any of it. <laughs> but, you know, I live with that. That's okay. That's my cross to bear. Um, in any case, I do love those big fabrics. Um, I have a couple on my shelf uh, that... Well, I've got a couple of panels that are the, the really gorgeous big floral panel things. Um, but I do also have several fabrics that I bought a lot of yardage of because the only way at the time I could really imagine using them was as a border. But now that I'm seeing more and more of these um, designs come out with kind of the larger pieces to them, I'm starting to think, okay, maybe that's the route I need to go. Um, in any case, that was a long digression from the hexagon thing. So rather than making little bitty hexagons, uh, we're going to be making, at least in terms of the decisions that I've heard Pam and Jay and I make, that we're going to be making slightly larger ones. Um, I believe Jay's hexagons that she's currently working on are six inch finished, or six and a half, no, they're six and a half inch finished uh, hexagons. I don't know yet how big Pam's are going to be. She's going to, she has told me she's going to talk about her hexagon um, experience in her own podcast later on, so I'm not going to be saying too much about what she's doing. Um, but hers are also about that large. And last night I finally sat down with EQ7 and kind of, you know, laid out how big a quilt do I want to end up with and what size um, hexes did I really need to kind of make the design I want to do really come out. Um, and eventually I think I landed on something like a five inch hexagon. So, um, you know, these are not insubstantial hexes. Uh, the, the flip side of that is that means you don't need to cut as many of them to get a big quilt. So that's the plus side. Um, so in any case, that's kind of, uh, where we're going with the whole hexagon quilt along. So let me talk to you a little bit about the process, at least that I've gone through so far to determine what I'm going to do. And, you know, you can take out of that whatever you may, you know, hopefully I will be able to either inspire you or you can learn from my mistakes because, boy, I made a big one in the math um, when I first started. Um, I also do want to let you know, again, in this quilt along sort of thing, first of all, there's no time limit on it because I have no idea how long it's going to take me <laughs> to finish mine. But I am going to start, you know, I've started doing a little bit now. And I'm going to be working on it pretty consistently through the summer. I really do hope that I can at least have the top pieced uh, by fall or at very least by, you know, Christmas, by the start of the new year. I'm not thinking of this as a Christmas gift. This is just something I'm making for myself. Um, I do already know pretty much I'm going to be sending it out to be long-armed because the design I have in my head is not something I would be able to pull off very capably on my domestic machine and that has more to do with space and the way the setup is versus what a long arm could do so I'm still kind of processing that but I'm a long way away from that so I'm not sweating that yet um, I will post links in the show notes to this episode to a couple of Jay's blog entries related to hexes and she's been doing a few because she's been working on her own hexy project um, one of her links was to a friend of hers blog who in the friend, it's I think Little Bluebell or something, but again, I will post that link in the, the show notes of this episode. Um, the friend of hers had posted in her blog about Kay Wood's method for cutting hexes, and that's the method I'm going to use primarily. Um, now, the method that Kay Wood does is um, she cuts her fabric in strips, and you cut it to the finished size that you ultimately want your hexagon to be. Uh, so for me, if I want a five inch finished hexagon, that means I'm going to need a five and a half inch, you know, unfinished cut 
hexagon. So I would cut a five and a half inch strip. And then you use a 60 degree triangle ruler. And I'm sorry, first you fold that strip in half and you crease where the fold is. And it has to be folded exactly in half because then what you do is you use that 60 degree ruler and you line it up so that the tip is on um, the un folded so the you know the edge of the fold where the raw edges are you put the tip there you see where the fold falls you mark that line on the ruler and then you move the ruler up to where that line I believe is then on the raw edge and I'm I've watched the video a couple times but I'm now reciting it from memory and I haven't tried it yet so don't quote me on it go watch the video yourself but basically you then um, using that marked line, you move that marked line up to the top of the raw edge of the strip to where the fold is, so that then, you know, you've got the fold on another line, lower down on the ruler, and then you cut the two edges. Um, and then, when you open up that cut piece, it is a hexagon. It's a perfect hexagon. So this is a no-template way of cutting hexagons. Um, for somebody like me, who is really wanting to use yardage for my hexagon quilt, um, this is the perfect method because it'll be much, much quicker. I will be able to just cut my yardage into strips and, you know, slice away, get a bunch of hexagons out of, you know, a couple of strips and move on. That being said, I did also buy the Fonz and Porter hexagon ruler because I do also have a lot of scraps and I am not averse to the idea of filling in with some scraps here and there. The quilt design that I've come up with is scrappy. I'm just creating scraps out of yardage in my stash. I'm not using, you know, real live scraps. Um, so that's why the strip method will work for me for the most part, but I didn't want to completely write off the possibility of just using a template ruler and cutting hexagons out of, you know, smaller odd-sized pieces of fabric. So I did go ahead and buy that too. So what you have to do, if you want to create your own hexagon quilt, you need to, first of all, figure out kind of how big you want your quilt to finish. I decided mine is actually going to finish about queen-sized, which sounds like it's huge, except remember, I'm using larger hexes. I, the reason I ended up having to go with a queen, I wasn't originally going to start that bad, that big, <laughs> that bad, um, that big, but because of the design that I want to create, I needed that much space for it to really show up. So I needed to go big with mine. I know Pam is not going near that big. I don't know what Jay's, uh, what her ultimate finish size is going to be. And it's quite possible Jay doesn't even know <laughs> what her finish size is yet. Um, because, again, a lot of times you will start out with something and just allow it to grow organically. And, and when it feels like it's done, it's done. With my quilt, even though at this point I'm saying, well, I think it needs to be about queen-sized, I'm not locking myself into that. It's quite possible that when I get to, you know, a full-size quilt, I am so sick of freaking hexagons, I just want to stop. <laughs> or it might be that when I get to a queen-size, I realize, no, you know, I really still, the design's just not coming out the way I want it to. I need to add some rows, and so I may go further than that. Um, so you can tell, you know, this is a project that I'm willing to just sort of, I'm doing a little bit of planning, but I'm willing to also just sort of let it grow out of whatever it needs to be. So for your project, if you want to do a hexagon um, quilt, first of all, decide how big a quilt you think you're going to want to do. Then second, figure out about what size you want your finished hexagon to be. And this 
will depend on a lot of things. One, how many hexagons do you want to cut out? <laughs> Obviously, if you go for a smaller hexagon, you're cutting a lot more out, um, but you will get a much more intricate mosaic-y feel to it than you will with a larger hexagon. That being said, larger hexagons allow you to use different kinds of fabric that will really be highlighted then by that hexagon shape. So those are some of the things you're going to need to take into account when you um, approach doing a hexagon quilt. Um, for me, the the main decision for me had to do with the overall design that I was going for, not for the individual fabrics. The fabrics that I'm using are falling into families, uh, color families, but they're primarily... I'm not using a lot of big print fabrics. I'm Everything is from my stash. I'm not going out and buying new fabric from this. Um, everything is from my stash. A lot of it is older fabric that I've inherited from my mother. And some of that is um, smaller print. Some of it is a lot of uh, kind of tone-on-tone modeled. I shouldn't really say tone-on-tone. I'm trying to stay away from anything that has like a, an overlay of printed something on it, um, if that made any sense to you. Um, modeled, I think, is more what I'm looking for. A lot of modeled things. Um, because I don't want the fabric to overwhelm the design. Again, mine is all about that finished design, which will be sort of mosaic-y, but not quite. Um, much more abstract. So these are some of the things you need to think about if you're going to approach a hexagon quilt. Again, the finished size of the quilt, um, the finished size of your hexagons, which will be affected by how many hexagons you want to cut reasonably, and what kind of fabric you envision yourself using. Does it lend itself to a smaller or a larger hexagon? And then, of course, the other thing you need to keep in mind is what is your overall design? Um, and again, for me, that was really what uh, drove all the other decisions. I just had this full-blown design pop into my head. And so um, last night, or a couple nights ago, I sat down with EQ7. Um, they do have a hexagon, you know, a one-block quilt done on hexagon, so it was very easy for me to kind of size it up to about where I thought it needed to be, size up the hexagons that I thought I wanted to do, and then, um, you know, just drop in colors to kind of see what my overall design would look like. The other thing to keep in mind when you're trying to decide uh, what you want your ultimate size of your hexagon to be is if you are using the K-Wood method, remember you're cutting a strip and then folding that strip in half and then cutting it. So while it wouldn't be impossible to cut a one and a half inch size hexagon (laughs) out of a strip, it would be pretty tricky. Uh, You would do better probably doing something, you know, really small hexagon. You'd probably do better doing it out of a template than out of the strip method. It's not impossible, but it would just be a little trickier, um, I think, personally. Again, I haven't actually done this yet, but just when I, you know, knowing what I know about cutting strips and trying to use rulers and manipulating fabric, um, the smaller you get, the easier it is to get inaccurate, uh, which would seem like it's, you know, backwards, but that's very true. Miniature quilts are very, very hard to keep square because the pieces are so small that if you're even a thread off, uh, you've created issues for yourself. So keep all of those things in mind when you're trying to plan your hexagon quilt. Um, The other thing you will need to figure out when you're trying to decide how much fabric you want to use then is whether this is going to be a scrappy one or if you're going to plan it out. Um, Mine is a mix, sort of. Um, It is going to be scrappy, although I'm creating the scraps out of yardage from my stash again, as I've said. Um, I'm not just using pure scraps, which means I am controlling it more. 
I'm using two main color families and then some other random, well, they're not random. They're part of the design, some other fabrics as well. Uh, and I will post pictures of the fabrics that right now I'm planning on using. But again, it's all going to kind of depend on how things start looking when I pull them together. Um, so that will also affect how much yardage you think you need to use. Now, to talk about the yardage, again, you know, I would love to be able to put on my blog right now, if you're going to do this big a quilt, this is how much yardage you need of these colors. But I, I really can't do that because, first of all, it all depends on what design you want to do. But secondly, every time I did my own math, it came out differently. So <laughs> the first time I did my math, I was um, admittedly exhausted. I was in a hotel and um, I had just been driving for six some odd hours. I'd had a dinner meeting, um, driving another half hour to get back to my hotel, and finally got into my hotel around nine thirty, ten o'clock at night after having left, you know, before lunch that morning. And so I was beat, and <laughs> I tried to do the math simply by logicking out, okay, if I have a quilt about this big, you know, finished, and I'm using hexagons about this big, that means this many hexagons in the quilt. That means, you know, let's figure out yardage by adding and subtracting and multiplying, and apparently I multiplied something that I probably should have only added or something, because my first figures were that I ended up with about 30 yards of fabric for just the front. And, you know, at first I thought, oh, that'll be great, you know, I'll get, use up all this stuff in my stash, and won't that be wonderful? And it wasn't until the next day that I was driving home that I thought, 30 yards for a quilt is ridiculous, <laughs> you know, and I thought about all the quilts I've made over the years, and, you know, 30 yards, not going to work. So, um, the second time then, when I was home and a little more well-rested, I did the math again, and then also used a website, now I don't remember, I'll have to dig it up, that um, uh, Jay had sent me, that helps you calculate yardage, and then I also used my quilt calc, my, or my quilter's fabric calc, I guess it is, um, and did the same thing there, just based on using my fabric calc, I just used here's the top width that I'm shooting for, here's the top length that I'm shooting for, that means the top is about this many yards. Um, that time I ended up with six yards. Okay, so there's a huge difference between 30 yards and six yards, <laughs> but I'm thinking, okay, well, six maybe sounds a little more reasonable. I was a little disappointed that I wouldn't be getting quite, you know, rid of quite so much in my stash, um, but still wasn't entirely trusting that math either because it wasn't based on anything other than just the finished quilt size. It wasn't really looking at hexagons and, you know, how many seams you'd have and all that kind of thing. So my final figure came out of actually sitting down with EQ7, figuring out here's the size of quilt I want, here's the size of hexagons I want within the quilt, here's the different colors I'm going to be using approximately, you know, here and there, um, kind of placed them more or less where I'm going to end up with them, and then went into the print um, function where you can print the quilt yardage, and I didn't bother printing it off, I never do, I just click on preview so I can see it, and um, then just sort of, because I was just plunking different colors down to see the scrappy effect. I wasn't really paying attention to how many different fabrics I was using according to how many different fabrics I actually am going to use out of my stash. Um, I was just going for generalities here. And I was able to figure out that, okay, roughly six yards of one color, roughly six yards of another. So when I added all of that up, it actually came to something like 14 yards-ish. So what I have done is pulled out of my stash um, more for variety. I, was, I wasn't looking for the total yardage amount, but I was more looking for the variety of prints and colors I was going to use. Um, and I have about six yards of one color and about six yards of another, and then probably about another 
two to three yards of these other random colors that I'm going to use much less of, much fewer of, uh, fewer colors, much less different. <laughs> I don't know what my um, any qualifiers are there. Anyway, I'm just going to go ahead and start cutting and, um, you know, whatever I end up with, I end up with. If I have to add more when I get them on my design wall, I will do that. If I don't use that many hexagons, you know, heck, I've always got Charlotte in my guild who's <laughs> always happy to take scraps and they'll be pre-cut for her. Um, you know, it, I'm I'm getting myself mentally prepared for the fact that once I do this one hexagon quilt, I will probably be pretty happy never to look at another hexagon again. So I'm not going to be big on saving all these uh, scrap hexagons that don't get used in this quilt and trying to use them in another project. We'll see. Maybe I absolutely fall in love with these, but I really think this is probably going to end up being one of those experiences that once I'm done, I'll be able to say, yep, did it, enjoyed it, and I'm ready to move on. <laughs> so that's pretty much um, my approach to this whole hexagon thing. So if you decide you want to um, work along with us on our hexagon adventure then go ahead and, and check out the links that I will be posting in the show notes start you know make your plan make your design figure out you know how many hexagons what size you want about how much fabric you're going to use uh, that kind of thing also listen to Pam's hip to be a square podcast I think she said don't hold me to this because I don't want to lock Pam into anything that she hasn't decided to do yet but I think she said she was going to talk about this on her next episode um, whenever she records it compared to me. She may actually have um, gotten hers out before me, so we'll see. Uh, but in any case, you know, just follow us along, and we will all try to post progress um, reports as we go. And we would ask that you do the same. If you are doing this on a blog, um, leave your blog leave your blog address in the comment to this episode so other people can follow you along as well. Uh, and remember, there's always the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group that you can post your um, in-progress photos, or your completed photos there as well. Now, I am aware that there are other Flickr groups that are devoted to hexagons. I know there's other, uh, there's a Yahoo group, I think, that's devoted to hexagons. There's websites devoted to hexagons. Um, some folks have already sent me some of those links. Those are fantastic. Uh, I will probably not try to link all of them, only because I don't really have that much time. I do have a daughter to graduate from high school in only about two weeks. I think we're getting down to the home stretch here. So um, leave your information in the comments to the show notes, and then other people can find that information as well. But meanwhile, please do post your photos to our Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. And I do know Sherry D already did. The uh, photos that I'd mentioned she had emailed to me, she was successfully able to uh, put in our Flickr group um, for the quilting of the rest of us group. So go there and check them out. Um, she has done, and actually hers are grandmother's flower garden. They're very pretty. I particularly, uh, I really like the fact that it's got a black background. That's a little bit unusual, and I love the way that picks up on the contrast. So that was um, a really nice touch. I enjoyed that. Um, like I said, it's not that I don't like grandmother's flower garden quilts. That's just not a pattern I have particularly felt moved to make myself. So um, if you've got pictures of grandmother's flower garden quilts, lay them on us, you know, let us look at them. It's a very pretty pattern. Um, so I think that's all I have to, oh, the rulers. I'm sorry, I almost forgot to, to talk about the rulers. Like I mentioned, um, we're going to be using a 60-degree triangle ruler to cut out of strips, and you need to be careful if you look, if you don't already own one of these and you're looking for one, don't get the one with the blunted tip. This is what Jay uh, told me, and I hadn't even really been aware that some triangle rulers had a blunted tip and other ones don't until she had mentioned that to me. And then I started looking carefully at these rulers I was looking at online. 
because I have a triangle ruler, but I don't have a 60 degree one. You have the triangle ruler and the one that the actually the only one I found in my searches, and you might find another one, but the only one I found was the clear view triangle by Q tools. And Jay had sent me a picture of the triangle ruler that she uses, and so I just kind of kept that in mind as I'm looking for it, and then I went back and referenced it, and yes, that was this ruler. Um, I believe the one I have is a 10-inch ruler. I don't know if they come in different sizes, so it's it's a pretty big ruler. And what was kind of cool is the packaging it comes in, in the it sits in this cardboard backing uh, with you know shrink wrap over it. And the cardboard backing has all of these directions for all these other things you can do with this ruler, which is pretty cool. So that was helpful. Um, so that's the main ruler we're going to be using to do the strip cut method. And then I did also buy, maybe I already talked about this, I'm sorry. I don't have a script in front of me this week, so I don't have everything really in order. Um, I did buy the Fonz and Porter hexagon ruler. Um, that was really based on no research whatsoever. <laughs> I happened to be in Joanne's looking for thread for the other project I'm working on now and turned around and there was their hexagon ruler and it looked like it was useful and I hadn't remembered seeing anybody say anything bad about it so I decided well heck you know it's worth a shot so I did buy that ruler as well uh, so that I have the option of using scraps and could probably also use it just to make sure you know kind of square up my hexagons if I'm cutting them by strip because you know whenever you do anything on a strip it can sometimes start getting a little out of whack the further down the strip you go so that's something you need to watch for. I'm sorry, periodically there is a breeze. It's mostly not hitting me on the back of the patio. Um, I'm in a more or less sheltered location, but occasionally it does hit. So you're once in a while you're hearing the wind go, but it doesn't seem to be so bad right now that you can't hear what I'm saying at the same time. Um, so anyway, this is our adventure so far. Um, I am planning on probably starting to cut my hexagons this week, so I should start making some progress pretty quickly. Okay, that's about it for hexagons for now. Uh, so we're going to move on to the Sandy update and a few listener comments, although not too many people talking to me this week. I'm going to assume it's gotten nice weather where everybody lives and you're all out um, doing things in your yards, hopefully. Uh, except for those of you who are in Australia where it's now winter. My sympathies <laughs> in any case. Um, just a couple of short updates about what I've been doing. I was able to go to the Genesee Valley Quilt Club quilt show uh, yesterday with my mother-in-law. I posted a blog entry about it on my quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com spot uh, with just a very few photos. I didn't take a lot of pictures to begin with and then because I was taking them on my cell phone not too many of them even came out very well. Normally my cell phone does um, pretty good pictures, but I think the lighting was just funky enough that it didn't quite know how to handle it. So anyway, I didn't post a lot of pictures, uh, but I do have some of some pretty cool quilts. So go ahead and um, check that out if you're interested. The Genesee Valley Quilt Club uh, quilt show is every two years, and this is the first year I've actually made it, because normally I'm out of town that weekend, somehow, always out of town on the weekend of their quilt show. Uh, so that was a lot of fun, and I took my mother-in-law with me, she has only made one quilt in her life many, many years ago when my um, husband's cousin was born. And uh, she's never made one since, although she certainly has done some sewing and everything. So, you know, who knows whether that might have, that bug might have bitten, but I doubt it. I think she's happy enough for me to make her quilts <laughs> and give them to her. Um, I was joking with her that now her expectations of my quilting is going to be much higher because now she's seen... <laughs> Now she's seen the pinnacle of what you could achieve in quilting, if you really knew what you're doing. Um, but in any case, it was a, a fun quilt show to go to. Lots of nice vendors, and I did run into um, a few of my friends, not only from Guild, uh, but my BFF, BQF, Kate, and um, 
also Beth Davis from uh, the episode in which I chatted with an appraiser. So you will see all of that on the blog. Really, other than that, I've just been working on my Stash Challenge project, the one that's inspired by children's artwork. Um, as you know, if you've been following my blog, what I I applicated, I created um, an applique pattern out of one of my daughter's drawings, and now I'm thread painting it. And the thread painting is going very well. I had to stop at Joanne's today to buy thread of a color for one part that I had no thread of that color for. Uh, so I did have to buy a little bit more thread to get through the thread painting. But that being said, I'm also using up a lot of thread. So that's kind of nice. You know, it's it's good to keep things circulating through your stash. Um, the background is puckering a little bit. So, you know, I've been steam ironing the heck out of it. But um, I think probably the pucker that's left in there, it's not super obvious. And I think when I quilted, it probably will quilt out. <laughs> so that's always a little dangerous to say that. But since this is just kind of a fun little project, I'm not sweating it. If I was really sweating it, or if I do this and it turns out not to quilt out next time, I will know, you know, to do differently. And I would actually do the thread painting first and then cut that piece, the thread painted piece out and you know move it on to a different background but the problem is then you lose some of that you know what i'm i'm actually thread painting kind of into the background in some parts so um but anyway i don't want to talk too much more about that because until i'm done and then i might put an episode up about what i've learned about thread painting from that process but that's really going well and uh, when i'm done posting this episode i'm hoping to get back to it although mostly i'm trying to spend a lot of time outside today the danger with a um, art craft hobby (laughs) If you listened to that episode long, long ago about whether you consider your quilting an art craft or a hobby. Um, But the problem with it is you do tend to spend time inside. And when it's gorgeous like this, you know, I don't have an applique project or anything that I can sit here and work on outside on my patio. However, I can um, bring my laptop out and play with EQ or I can bring quilt magazines out. So it's sort of, you know, the quilting by proxy sort of thing. I can still be immersed in the quilting world without actually doing any quilting, so... That's kind of what I plan on doing the rest of this afternoon, hanging out on the patio, looking at some magazines, uh, reading. I'm reading uh, Marie Bostwick's second book in the Cobbled Court series now. I've already finished the first one, which I believe was a single thread. And the one I'm reading now is A Thread of Truth. I tend to get the titles mixed up, Um, but enjoying it. This one, A Thread of Truth, deals with domestic violence, which is, you know, it's really interesting to me that Bostwick takes on these topics uh, in her fiction. I I really appreciate that she's willing to do that. Uh, but she doesn't do it in a, you know, to say that this book deals with domestic violence makes it sound like it's a really depressing book, but it's not. You know, it's, again, mostly about relationships and friendships and, and that kind of thing. Um, but that being said, I'm only about 7% into it in Kindle terms, so I can't speak very much about what the book is about. I did want to give a shout out, though, to Tanisha of um, Crafty Garden Mom podcast because I just finished the book Molokai uh, by Alan mm, Brennert, I think was his last name, based on the fact that she reviewed it on her podcast. And I really appreciate your reviews, uh, Tanisha, really appreciate them a lot. And I enjoyed Molokai. Um, It was a really eye-opening book in a lot of ways from from an historical perspective. I really liked the main character, Rachel. Um, I connected with her more during her childhood years than I did with her adult years, but that's partly um, when you, when you're trying to write somebody's entire lifespan, you will 
tend to, I think, spend more time in one part of their life than another. And, you know, a full three quarters of the book is really her growing up. And then the last bit is her as an adult. And I felt kind of like you sort of skated through <laughs> the last 20 or so years of her life. Um, so you didn't know her as well as an adult, I guess, as you did as a child. But I really did like the book a lot. So thank you so much, Tanisha, for turning me on to that one. Um, and now I'm into reading Marie Bostwick again. So that's uh, that's been my reading life lately. I had followed a link on a blog. Sandy had posted on her blog about a uh, name tag bag, you know, the kind you often see at quilt shows. Um, and I have bought one. I've got one from um, autographed by Ami Sims for the um, Alzheimer's Quilt Initiative, Art Quilt Initiative. Um, but there's other places that I go where I wouldn't mind having a name tag bag that really I don't want quite so clearly identified as a quilting one. You know, like when I'm out for work in our conferences and things like that, I wouldn't mind having a name tag bag um, that's a little more uh, generic, <laughs> I guess. And Sandy had posted on her blog a link to one of those name tag bags and had talked about making it and said it was really, it went together very well. Uh, so I followed that link and um, did purchase that name tag bag and Sandy had also given the hint to in her blog to consider buying the um, kit that that you can buy to go with it not for the fabric but for the um, uh, the hardware that goes with it the anyway you know what I'm talking about um, that goes with it and so I did do that as well because heck I don't want to have to try to track that stuff down myself I don't have that much time so if somebody's willing to put it in a kit to me yeah I'll take it um, so I'd emailed Sandy to let her know that I had you know how much I appreciated that and that I'd bought the pattern and and she did email me back and she says um she's considering taking hers with her she hasn't been to a show or conference since making it but she's considering taking it with her on vacation this summer to lighten her purse load as she says as she does some sightseeing and she says Annie's instructions Annie is the designer of the pattern are very clear and she has video tutorials on her site to help if you have questions um, so that was a, an excellent um, point me in the direction of something I've been looking for thank you very much Sandy I appreciate that um, I want to say thank you to uh, Colleen and Noni and Kate and Quilter in the Gap um, <laughs> who by the way has a very funny episode on her Quilter in the Gap podcast um, about reenactors. Uh, I just burst out laughing <laughs> when I listened to that in my car. Thank God nobody else could see me, um, but that was very funny anyway. So thank you for your comment. And Lynn, um, and again Noni, who posted also on the, um, commented on my episode 51, in which we get Scrappy Again episode, um, and Sherry and Holly and uh, Francis of the Off-Kilter Quilt, and um, Nitty AJ, and Loretta 6, and JRT 14. All of you um, posted comments on my various blog entries and episodes. Thank you so much for all of that. Um, thank you to everybody just for listening. Um, and I think that's it for this episode. I will be... Um, working on my hexagon quilt this week. I'm actually in town now for the next about four weeks, five weeks, maybe even six or so, so I'm hoping to get some good progress made on all of my quilty projects. Uh, so, with that being said, until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Love you, Mom.